Welcome to the Nation's Blind Podcast, coming to you from the headquarters of the National Federation of the Blind in Baltimore. Hello to the Nation's Blind, and welcome to the Nation's Blind Podcast. This is Anil Lewis and Melissa Riccobono. Yeah, and I guess I shouldn't say the Nation's Blind because we want everybody to listen to the, the Nation's, Nation's Blind, Blind and the Nation's Sighted and yeah. the Nation's. Want to be blind, wish <laughs> blind, they were at blind, heart. blind at heart. Yeah, yeah, Th- those that heart love blind seeing. people. Yeah, you know. Well, no, no, we don't want those <laughs> hard of seeing, optically precluded guys eavesdropping on our podcast. Well, no. we we do if it shows them that they're blind. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, and we accept people where they are. Absolutely, yeah. we do. Yeah. We're very diverse. We have a great diversity policy. Even and I love that. Nowadays. I love that. And because of that diversity, we're able to really build on that to develop even more. You know, enhanced partnerships with our friends and and family and, and other organizations and corporations out there that really help us fulfill our mission of creating a world where blind people can live the lives they want. We can't do it by ourselves, that's for sure. So we very much value the partnerships that we have. That's right. No man is an island. No blind man is an island. Except I was an island when I had all that weight. So now I'm no longer an island as I trim down and get fitter. Fitter. Wow, look word? at you. Is fitter, fitter a word? Fitter is certainly a word. Oh, okay. Fitter is certainly a word. Oh, okay. I'll give well, it to you. I digress. Uh, I ruined my segue, by the way, because I started talking about how important partnership is. And that's what we're going to be talking about this episode, ladies and gentlemen, partnership. We love them. Yeah. We, we can't get along without them. We, of course, are able to do a lot on our own, and we do, although it's a partnership even within the National Federation of the Blind. No state affiliate is an island. There you we, go. we all work together. No chapter is an island. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think... We are really a grassroots organization, and every grassroots organization needs partnership as as things travel up the chain. But then we have those outside partners and those outside partners that really work with us and really do enhance what we do and really do help people live the life that they want. And really, the people that work with us often begin to understand blindness in a new way, which is extremely exciting. Exactly. Even professionals who you know, know a lot about blindness learn more when they partner with us. We just recently... Uh, co-hosted a Braille literacy conference with the Maryland School for the Blind. And uh, those professionals came down and they teach every day. But in working with us, they learned new things as well. They did. And we were able to learn from them, too. So it was a great partnership. Exactly. It's, it's always best when it's mutually beneficial. It definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's it's kind of tough to be in those one-sided. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been in some of those. <laughs> yeah. I've been in those, too. The end in divorce. Um, oh, yeah, oh, I know. oh, that's sad. Uh, I've is, never, never been in that. This is the Counseling Nation's oh. Blind podcast for those. No, I'm not going to die. Oh, this is just my <laughs> moment for just going off the train tracks today. Get us back on the train tracks, Melissa. Uh, the other thing we partnered with was professionals uh, out of Louisiana Tech. We hosted our Dare to be Remarkable conference, brought individuals in from across the country to learn about education and rehabilitation in the way that the National Federation of the Blind knows through our life experience is the real way to deliver those services. Definitely. And there were lots of state conventions this past weekend, Maryland, Texas, New Jersey, Mm -hmm. Kansas, I think, Mm -hmm. Um, Nevada. Uh, There might be one other. Was Delaware? I think Delaware. I mean, there were were just so many. And and those are places often where partnerships really start. That's right. That's right. But one big place where partnerships start um, or continue is our NFB Bell Academy. Of course, the NFB Bell Academy is really brought about by a partnership that we have with the Wells Fargo uh, Foundation. They help support us. They give us grants. And those grants are passed along to the state affiliates who run Bell Academies. 
Um, but there are also many other partnerships that happen with Bell Academies. And I actually was able to interview Beth Sellers, who is a parent, and we have a great conversation about the ways that she's partnered with us and the ways that her partnership with us have really, first of all, helped her children, um, helped her, her as a parent, and really inspired her to get involved in the Bell Academy in a whole new way and bring the Bell Academy to other students who have never had a chance to be a part of it. And I really loved her story. So and I you think did such a great job of setting it up, and then I'm going to take us off the tracks with this one, too. I would feel very bad if I didn't state related to our Wells Fargo partnership that not only do they give us money for the program, oh, I'm sorry. they I also send their, their staff to actually volunteer they with do. us. They yeah. do. I'm yeah. sorry about that. That's yes. okay. There's yes. no need to apologize. I'm, I'm, uh, yes. No, you're right. I'm <laughs> Okay, here, now I'm taking us yeah. off the track. Yeah, I love it. I, I'm, I'm not contagious. sorry they send the volunteers, <laughs> to be perfectly clear. <laughs> I am sorry <laughs> that I forgot and neglected to mention the fact <laughs> that they send us the volunteers. So that's how rumors this, get started, This is and what it's like to work with the Neil Lewis, everyone. I just want to <laughs> and Melissa yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. You know, usually we record in the morning. Yeah. We're recording in the afternoon. I don't. I thought yeah. we'd be more awake. I think we're a little more, uh, I don't know. It all know. depends on the day, right? <laughs> this has is. been one of those days. And it, <laughs> so. to, to our loyal listeners, you'll also remember that the Wells Fargo um, a group did a video of one of our programs last year. We're going to be recycling that and using it again to refresh our, our announcement of our program. But it was one of those nice audio described videos that shows a lot of what we do in the program. So that's very helpful too. So again, Wells Fargo, tremendous partner in creating literacy opportunities for blind youth. And Melissa Riccobono had an opportunity to interview one of the parents who I think is a well, you know peripheral beneficiary of the work that we do. We definitely want to have an impact on the kids, but one of the ways we really impact those children is also making sure that parents are on board with what we believe as an organization as well. Definitely. So, so let's now let's take a move listen. into it. Yeah. yeah, let's listen to Beth Sellers. You're listening to the Nation's Blind Podcast, and I'm Melissa Riccobono, and I am here with a special guest, and I will let her in- introduce herself. Um, so special guest, uh, why don't you tell us what your name is and where you're from? Hi, I am Beth Sellers. I am from Harrisonburg, Virginia. Excellent. And you partnered with the National Federation of the Blind fairly recently uh, this summer, correct? Uh, yes, but this was not the first time that I had partnered with the National Federation of the Blind. Um, actually, it was three <laughs> summers ago that I ran across the NFB for the first time um, when I found out about the Bell Academy. Fantastic. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about that? You found out about the Bell Academy, and I believe you have uh, a couple of daughters, and they've both gone to the Academy. So why don't you talk a little bit about what it was about the Bell Academy that sort of brought you in the first time and why you keep coming back? Yes. So I have four daughters, two are blind and two are sighted. Um, And so uh, two summers ago, well, three summers ago, actually, um, I found out about the Bell Academy through the NOPBC Facebook page. And at the time, my two blind daughters um, had just been introduced to Braille uh, through school, but neither one of them was mastering Braille. And I was very concerned um, because I felt like they really needed more Braille instruction. And so on the NOPBC Facebook page, I was hearing about this Bell Academy. And I was intrigued because it sounded like it was exactly what my kids needed. Um, Two weeks of intensive um, immersion in Braille and non-visual skills with 
blind adult mentors. I mean, it sounded absolutely amazing, and I was so excited about it. But we live in rural West Central Virginia, and there was no program here. And the closest one was Northern Virginia. But if you're in rural West Central Virginia, Northern Virginia is a whole different world. Um, And we couldn't get there, and we couldn't afford to go stay there for two weeks. So um, I explored the other programs that were available, and we found that there was one in South Carolina, in Spartanburg. And I have friends who live in Spartanburg, South Carolina. So I called them up and I said, hey, could we come crash your house for two weeks? And they said, sure. And so then the next task was contacting the um, state coordinator for South Carolina. And, um, of course, they were very willing um, to have an out-of-state person participate in their Bell program. So we went to South Carolina for two weeks. And it was amazing. Um, My girls were just so excited to be part of that program. And I was so excited for them to be part of that program. Wow, that's wonderful. So how old were your girls at that time? Um, at that time, they would have been, I guess, about seven and five. Wow. So they were they were little ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've yeah. gone and back. Turn, my, uh, my youngest daughter turned five during the Bell program oh, that summer. She actually had fun. three birthdays during Bell Academies. So oh, yes. That's fun. Yeah, so you've gone back. So have you gone to the academies in Virginia um, since then? Or is it still South Carolina? So that's a great story, actually. Um, the uh, The next year, we went back to South Carolina. We were only able to stay for one week the second year because of scheduling, um, but it was still a great program. And I, and I volunteered every day as well. I'm, you know, I'm in South Carolina. What else am I going to do except um, go to Bell and volunteer? So I learned uh, as much as my kids did, I think. Um, and was able to volunteer and be part of the program. And then the third year, of course, we wanted to participate again. This has become part of our life, part of our routine. Every year, we're participating in Bell. And the third year, when South Carolina published their dates, we were still in school because South Carolina school schedules and Virginia school schedules don't match. And my girls hadn't even finished school. I was still teaching at the time, so I was still in school. There was no way we could participate. And so I contacted the um, Virginia affiliate of the NFB and I said, okay, we can't go to the Virginia Bell Academy and we can't go to the South Carolina Bell Academy. Can we start a new Bell Academy in our hometown? (laughs) And I was thinking for 2018. um, but, you know, oh, yes. he is very, very excited about <laughs> Bell. And so so I get an email back from uh, Tracy, our, our uh, chapter president, and he says, how about now? <laughs> Let's do it this summer. And so Sandy Halverson and I put together very quickly a new um, Bell Academy in Harrisonburg, Virginia for 2017. And wow. we had Bell in our hometown. It was at my daughter's school, and uh, it was a wonderful experience. And so we got to have Bell. In in Virginia, a brand new um, academy. It was small. We ran it for one week. We had three students. Two of them were mine. <laughs> but but it was a great way to pilot the program in a new location in rural West Central Virginia um, for students who had never been able to um, or to offer it for a population uh, of the state that had never been able to have it before. And we already have quite a few students lined up to participate next year in 2018 now that they've seen that we can do it here. So we're very excited to have a new bell um, in this part of the state. Wow. that I, I love that story. So not only 
have you partnered to let the NFB have your kids and teach them, but now you're giving back and partnering with us to bring Bell to other families. I, I love that story. That's what we're all about. It's wonderful. And my 10-year-old Taylin, um, Belle has been such a crucial part of her development. And now she is so excited to be able to share Belle, not only with other blind students in our region, but also with her school, yeah. with the, the uh, sighted students and the teachers and the administrators in our community to show what Belle means to her. She was able to teach her principal how to braille her name during Belle this mm-hmm. summer, which was really exciting. Uh, she was able to show um, the teachers in the building who were there this summer preparing for their classrooms, um, you know, how the blind adult mentors who were there get around using their canes and how, you know, we travel and how we use Braille for literacy and some of the different non-visual skills that we use for cooking and things like that. It was just really neat to see her show off the skills that mean so much to her that we practice during Bell. Wow. That's wonderful. So it sounds like your girls have gotten quite a bit out of Bell. Uh, would you like to talk just a little bit more? Are there, are there any other things that they've received that you'd like to share with uh, the listeners of the Nation's Blind podcast? Well, I think that Bell was such a crucial um, beginning, especially for Taylin, because when we first went to Bell in South Carolina three years ago, she knew three letters of the alphabet in Braille. And when we left two weeks later, um, she knew almost the entire alphabet. So... Um, Belle was the place where she learned Braille for the first time. Belle was the place where she first touched a Perkins Brailler and first learned to actually write in Braille. Um, Belle was the place where she became confident traveling with a cane. When she, you know, she'd held a cane before, but she never really was independent with it. Um, but when she was able to be around other students who were independent and other adults who were independent, when she was able to see how Braille was actually a functional form of literacy for people. I think it just sparked something in her and she was able just to run with it. Um, And now that she's 10 and in fourth grade and participating in a regular fourth grade classroom using these skills, um, I just, I look back on that first experience in Bell and I'm so grateful that we had that. Um, So I would encourage anybody who has a student, um, you know, who is an emerging Braille reader, um, whether they're fully blind like Taylin or whether they're a dual media student to embrace the, the Bell Academy and make it really make an effort to, to attend. Wow, that's wonderful. And how about you? Obviously, you've gained a lot as a parent. Um, what things have you gained with this partnership? Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, for me, I was able to kind of crash the Bell program and be there for every day of it, um, which was great. Um, but, you know, even for the parents who can't do that because of work schedules or whatever, it, you know, it's, it's a neat opportunity to connect with the blind mentors for our kids and um, to make new connections. I have made new connections with blind adults that um, I love being able to call call up Jamie Allison or Sandy Halverson and say, Hey, I have a question, (laughs) you know, even if it's just, how do you braille this contraction or how would you approach this task? Um, or can you help me with this IEP question? It's really nice to have those mentors in our lives, um, that I never would have had had we not connected with the, the bell program. Thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. And and we hope very much that you'll continue to partner with us to bring Bell to your area again in 2018 and beyond. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Nation's Blind Podcast. Wow. What an interview. That was really awesome. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed talking with Beth. And I just love how she was planning to have the Academy start in 2018. <laughs> 
and then <laughs> she was able to, uh, with help from um, Tracy Silverenko, to, to to say no, we we need to have it in 2017, and here's how it can happen. And she was able to get some partners and partnerships with her daughter's school, and it it just all worked out really well. And that's awesome. Uh, it just I I love. I love when things like that happen. But what, what commitment from a parent that is really ready to go and take their child, you know, out of state, that that, that speaks to how important oh, she recognizes this is? It, it did. And it, it was both of her daughters, and they were both just starting to learn Braille and, and really struggling, she said. And, and so I just love that she looked at it, that she thought it was a great idea that she looked at other opportunities. I mean, it was, it's just a great story all the way around. Yeah. And, and I love that our affiliate lady. was able to step up and really make that happen in, in, in a dynamic way. Definitely. That, that's the power of who we are as an organization. We don't that's let right. bureaucratic red tape slow us down. We're on the move. That's, that's right. We're in the move. And we're not in the, we, we're in the long journey. Yeah. We're running the marathon, but I love all of our nice short sprints of achievement. See what I'm doing? See, I'm getting better. You are? At the segue for our next in the news oh, segment. Sprint. Look at you. Oh, <laughs> I just got it. Pretty impressive, huh? That, you know, when you work with such a professional, <laughs> you should just never doubt it. You should just go with it and I bow to your greatness, sir. Thank you. Thank that you. That was very good. And and with that, while I'm feeling so great, <laughs> we had the opportunity uh, in our in the news segment uh, through our vehicle of Chris Danielson to talk to our friends over at Sprint, our partners at Sprint. Uh, those of you who are real true Federationists know that the need to read print and access print materials uh, has really been a um, committed effort of the National Federation of the Blind. And to that end, we developed a mobile application that runs on a you know, smartphone that you can snap a photo of printed material and it'll read it to you in synthesized speech and do other things very dynamically. But we've also uh, added this to to desktop and um, hopefully some other places. But our newest partner in our uh, effort to provide easy access to printed materials uh, to blind individuals is Sprint. Uh, so Chris Danielson had an opportunity to interview Kelly Egan with Sprint uh, to talk about our new implementation of the KNFB Reader on the Sprint mobile platform. Great. Let's take a listen. You're listening to the Nation's Blind Podcast. This is Chris Danielson on the Nation's Blind podcast, and as part of our partnership focus this month, we're pleased to be talking with Sprint. I've got a representative of Sprint on the line, and rather than me introducing you, I'll let you introduce yourself. Sure. Thank you. This is Kelly Egan. I am with Sprint. Uh, My role with Sprint is outreach to the blind and low vision community, and That's what we're here to talk about today. Well, thanks so much, Kelly, for being a part of the Nation's Blind podcast. We are thrilled to have you. My pleasure. So let's get right to it. Can you tell us a bit about the partnership and the relationship between Sprint and the National Federation of the Blind? How did it get started? Sure. Yes, we've been working um, with National Federation of the Blinds for about five years, I'll say. Um, We started early on with uh, really just attending major events, national conventions, et cetera. And then as we got to know the the agency, the organization a little bit more, we continued to attend events, do exhibits, sponsor events on a national level, and then also on a local level. And we've partnered with Um, National Federation for the Blind to serve the blind community um, through creating opportunities 
for the blind community to connect via Sprint products and services. Well, we certainly thank you for the partnership and for your continued commitment to accessibility. We're proud to support that. Well, let's get into the details now. How is Sprint addressing accessibility across all of your products and services? That's a great question. Um, and I'll answer it from a few different perspectives. Um, one of the important things that we do, I believe, from an accessibility perspective is we hire people with disabilities so that as we create new products, new services, et cetera, and devices and so on, we're able to actually have the experience internally of how to um, improve the devices, enhance the devices from an accessibility perspective. I'm actually blind myself and Sprint brought me on, not because I'm blind, but they brought me on because I could have imp um, an impact on the way we work with the blind and low vision community and um, create an accessible approach to the community. So that's one thing is we hire people with um, disabilities to make sure we can reflect and be a mirror to what our consumers will need. We also um, work closely with manufacturers to, of devices, of phones, et cetera, to make sure that they're looking at um, accessibility features. And we try to improve some of the things that they're putting forth in order to be able to deliver an accessible product. Uh, we also have what's called Sprint Accessibility Care. So for people with disabilities of all kinds, blind, low vision, hard of hearing, cognitive mobility issues, et cetera, they can call the Sprint Accessibility Care team and talk with them um, directly uh, because they'll have, that team will have a better understanding of the kind of problems, solutions, challenges the individuals may require. Well, now let's talk about the exciting announcement that we have at this time as we go into late November and the holidays, which is the fact that Sprint and the National Federation of the Blind are teaming up to make KNFB Reader available to Sprint customers. What would you like to tell us about that? Well, first of all, I'm going to tell you, I'm very excited about it. I've been working on this partnership for about a year, and now we are finally there. We're so excited. So what's happening is Sprint is teaming with KNFB Reader, as you mentioned, and we are able to offer to new Sprint customers and Sprint customers who are eligible for an upgrade, the KNFB Reader Enterprise License for free. So it's absolutely free while supplies last, I have to say, um, to our new customers and our upgrading eligible customers. And we're very excited about expanding our customers um, and also helping KNFB expand their customers. So it seems to me like a great um, solution for all involved. Well, that's certainly very exciting. And for the few podcast listeners who don't know, uh, KNFB Reader is, of course, our app that makes print instantly and accurately available as text-to-speech or on a Braille display. And KNFB Reader Enterprise, of course, allows you to use KNFB Reader on more than one device. 
So this is certainly an exciting offer for Sprint customers or those who may be considering becoming Sprint customers. So, Kelly, how can Sprint customers take advantage of this offer? That's another great question. So there's several ways that they can take advantage of this offer. They can go to a Sprint retail store. They can go online to sprint.com vision, which is an accessible site that they can buy a device or upgrade a plan on that site. Um, and those are the two easiest ways to go about it. And then once they make their upgrade and or become a customer, they will call our um, Sprint Accessibility Care Line at 855-885-7568. That's 855-885-7568. And they will be able to get their license number to the new um, uh, KNFB Reader Enterprise um, from, from the people at Sprint Accessibility Care. And we can help them install it and or they can install it on their own. Um, but we're just very excited to have this um, level of relationship with NFB slash KNFB and also the blind and low vision community. Well, that sounds simple enough. And I also understand that folks can have the app on up to two devices with this offer. That is correct. Yes. Wonderful. Is there anything else that you would like to add? I just want to say thank you so much for this opportunity to be part of your podcast. And I look forward to this program that we're just launching today, basically, um, as, to move forward and flourish as we go forward. Thank you very much for your time today. Kelly, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for being part of the Nation's Blind podcast. My pleasure. Have a great day. Well, once again, in the news, that, that's great uh, reflection of the work that the Federation is doing, our commitment to making sure that blind people can engage in the world uh, through our partnerships with other um, organizations and entities, uh, creates an opportunity for individuals to access printed materials uh, through our KNFB Reader application, which is free to Sprint users. And we're hoping that many individuals will take advantage of this opportunity to use this innovative technology to make their lives better and to live the lives they want. Definitely. What a great partnership. It's, yeah. It's really exciting. And, and uh, I mean, just a dynamic thing that's happening and, and so timely and, and so useful. And you've got to love free, but it's especially <laughs> nice when it's something free yeah. that you can actually use yeah. um, and that will actually really enhance your life, not like a free, you know, but wait, there's more, there's you know, <laughs> something that you're never really going to use. So. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's true. But 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 in our effort to create those partnerships, especially in the realm of technology and, and accessing information for blind individuals, uh, we could cite any number of opportunities that we have uh, that we've taken advantage of, opportunities that exist. Uh, but one of the ones we'd like to highlight during this particular podcast is related to not only people living the lives they want figuratively, but literally, uh, you know, traveling the world, uh, accessing uh the world in a real way. And one of the platforms that many people use to access travel, hotels, et cetera, is a platform called Expedia. Yeah, we started doing, we, we are trying something a little bit different in our presidential privilege. You know, usually one of us sits down with President Riccobono and interviews him for the presidential privilege. But in this episode, President Riccobono actually 
uses his privilege to interview someone else. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a, an interesting thing. He interviews... Baladavi? Baladavi, yeah. yes, from Expedia. And uh, he and Baladavi talk about what Expedia is doing to partner with the National Federation of the Blind to make sure that their website and all of their products are accessible. So this is a twist on the presidential privilege. I can't wait to hear how he uh, asserts his privilege in the presidential privilege and if it's really a privilege for him to do the privilege. Let's see if he has the chops to really do the interview the way that we do. (laughs) You're listening to the Nation's Blind Podcast, and let's take a listen to the presidential privilege. So, Bala, can you tell me how is it that you came to be a champion for accessibility at Expedia? Yeah, excellent question. So uh, my predecessor, Jennifer Otomi, she was the one who uh, started this journey of uh, accessibility at Expedia. And uh, uh, as she was transitioning into a new role, uh, she was looking for who can step in and help. I do have responsibility for a core lodging technology side of the house. And as that is a big part of our business and something that uh, we, we spent a lot of time and was a primary area where we were driving the accessibility in those early days, she asked me if I would be willing to do that. And uh, given the, uh, the nature of the work and the cause that we are supporting, I felt, uh, I felt really happy that she asked me, and I'm really, really happy that I'm part of this effort now. So did you have any background or experience with accessibility for people with disabilities before uh, being recruited? <laughs> My background, uh, I, I would say, uh, so two things I can uh, share here. Number one, as I said, I, I was uh, leading the lodging technology team, uh, and uh, my team was uh, uh, heavily involved in making our lodging shopping experience uh, accessible. So that was one part. Before that, and in my previous experience, I had worked at uh, Washington Mutual uh, back in the days, and I did a lead uh, initial assessment of uh, Washington Mutual's website for accessibility. So that was the other experience uh, I, I did carry uh, into uh, into this role. Okay, great. So, you know, in this partnership with the National Federation of the Blind, we've had some direct input, giving Expedia feedback from blind people as the accessibility work goes forward. I I don't know, but I think that was probably not true in your last accessibility experience. Can you talk about, you know, how important it was to have blind people involved in in the input loop, uh, giving feedback in real time about what was happening? Sure. And I I will tell you, I think coming to the convention uh, earlier in the year and talking to more folks, that opened my eyes even further on the importance of the involvement. Uh, I, I think as I spoke in the convention, one of the big input that came into us driving in this was uh, when your Ann Taylor came and demoed uh, using the product and how she was stuck in multiple steps before <laughs> she, uh, she could even get anywhere. So that by itself was a clear indication that we not only needed to work on it, but we needed the right inputs from the folks who are uh, going to be able to tell us what is working and what is not. Uh, 
We also hired some of the folks here at Expedia to help us there. But the, the, the diversity of how people use this product and how they experience, is, uh, experience it and how they navigate those challenges because it's, it's very tricky the way we are set up prior to making it accessible to where we are now. Uh, uh, for uh, It is tricky for the folks to be able to get through that. And those inputs in terms of how do I use the product, what tools we should use, how we should uh, approach the testing, who are the organizations that are better equipped to give us further guidance or us being able to go uh, engage with in terms of uh, where we can get help because we may or may not have all the skill sets in-house and if we needed those, we can get to those as well. So all of those kind of inputs were pretty uh, uh, instrumental in terms of our decision-making and uh, enabling us to then go after this problem in a full throttle. I'm really glad that you got some uh, extra feedback and and really took something away from our national convention because I think you know it's one thing to have one or two or five blind people giving you feedback, but when you recognize that there's a whole group of people out there that are really hungry to use your product, I think it helps to communicate something different and, and not just help to use your product, eager to use your product, but you know, we have a lot of people that are willing to jump in and not just tell you what's wrong, but but help you understand how to fix it. So that's really good to hear. Um, can you talk a little bit about the accessibility work that has been done at Expedia and how you feel that has improved the overall product and service offerings at Expedia? I mean, what in what ways have has accessibility really dr- driven Expedia to be a better uh, online provider? Sure. Uh, there's a couple of things I can talk about. So I think making product accessible means we need to go look at it bottom up. And this was something that we realized early on is it's not simply making what we built for the past many years accessible overnight by fixing few defects. It was we needed to put some thoughts behind how to make individual components accessible and how to keep uh, building and maintaining as we move forward. That process of reviewing the designs and understanding uh, how how it will be, uh, what will make it easy to build and maintain that, that was instrumental uh, in our uh, product building life cycle. We thought about not only making it accessible, but make it easy. And those things came together. And that was something that we felt was pretty powerful is as we looked at making something accessible, we, we were forced to make it simple. And as we all know, going from tape recorder to iPhone, things got simpler to use and they were delightful. And that's <laughs> something that we saw in, in the process. Making it delightful. I love that. Beyond the technical aspects, you know, were there non technical things that Expedia has taken on, uh, procedures, policies to really enculturate accessibility at Expedia? Sure. And I think this is more in terms of, I, I can talk it in terms of where we are uh, trying to build that culture of accessibility in the fabric of our uh, teams. 
it comes from understanding and you uh, understanding what it means to use the products in certain ways. One such example is we uh, annually uh, get together for the Global Accessibility Day, mm-hmm. and uh, we uh, we uh, we uh, offer the uh, uh, the tools, offer the uh, uh, different ways that our larger organization can uh, be, uh, use the products in certain ways. I think simple things that I think uh, we looked at, uh, we try to do at GAD is don't use mouse and use only keyboard. And, and understand how the how the tools are used by the uh, folks with accessibility needs, and then uh, you are able to internalize the needs and be able to uh, work towards that. We do those kind of things. The other part that we've been trying to do, and this is more to uh, you know help other organizations around us uh, in terms of accessibility, is we are going and talking to some of those uh, code academies locally and helping them build uh, a, a, a build into their uh, uh, curriculum uh, what we can do uh, for one day and come and teach something. So we can uh, bring in that education to them that with the folks that are coming from those academy have some awareness and understanding of accessibility that they can take it into their uh, next career, next job, wherever they decide to go work. So those are really, really interesting things that we have done. One more example that uh, comes to mind is uh, we did uh, we did sponsor a prize in uh, one of our local hackathons we had, hmm. and that was really uh, uh, important to, uh, from uh, from a couple of perspectives. One was uh, it helped others understand that we at Expedia are uh, are we care about accessibility and we are working on that as a problem. But the other part was that they were able to. Uh, uh, understand uh, that audience was able to understand, uh, see the problem uh, through that lens and come up with the solutions and even give us some additional ideas that, that we then could bring back home and work on in terms of making our product accessible and better. Excellent. I love the idea of innovating around accessibility is always a, a notion that I like to encourage people to jump off of. So that's that's really great. And it was my pleasure to come out in in April and talk about accessibility with the worldwide engineering team at Expedia and really celebrate the great work that you all are doing. So what would you tell other companies that might be wondering about accessibility and might especially be a little suspicious about working with the National Federation of the Blind around accessibility. We tend to be a pretty vocal advocate for accessibility and have also been known to use uh, legal means to uh, promote accessibility and, and gain equal access. But we really try to bring the technical and grounded expertise of blind people to the table. What would you tell those companies that are a little bit nervous about Ah, picking up the phone and calling the National Federation of the Blind and and really exposing that they may have some inaccessible products they need help with. Uh, sure. Uh, while I can't speak to the strategies and goals uh, of these organizations and how they may or may not want to approach this, uh, I'm always, I feel that we are lucky that we had a strong partner in NFB who could help us uh, in terms of informing what we need to do, 
uh, navigate the world of uh, accessibility, help us with understand the standards and guidelines uh, that we should be uh, following as we th think in terms of uh, making our product accessible for the blind community. So all in all, it has been uh, invaluable to have this, have this partnership. We went from uh, being a uh, we uh, we went from being uh, responding to certain questions to becoming more partners together and uh, uh, continually see, evolve this relationship where we are where we have a common interest now that is to make our product accessible and uh, allow the uh, uh, people with diverse set of abilities and needs to be able to use our product. So. I'm really happy and uh, proud of the work we have done to get there, and I'm super happy that the NFE was a strong partner in that uh, in that in that uh, effort. Thank you, I appreciate that, and uh, of course we'll continue to to push on Expedia in other ways. I know we're talking about how do we uh, make Expedia more welcoming, open to more blind employees. How do we find more qualified blind people to work in throughout all the areas of Expedia? So there's many great conversation still to be had. And I guess uh, we also didn't expect you to make all the changes in a day. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> if everything was that easy, we would all want to do that. <laughs> uh, usually we find that uh, companies, when we knock on their door, are very eager to get rid of us. So they say, well, it, it, we'll get it done in this time frame. And we usually tell them to double it because we know that uh, it, it usually involves a little bit more than they expect. So the flip side of the question then is, there's probably blind people out there that are going to listen to this conversation and think, yeah, but, you know, I use stuff every day and I get frustrated by websites that are inaccessible or kiosks that I come across that are inaccessible. What would you say to the average everyday blind person out there, how they should approach companies when they come across a product or service that's inaccessible to them in the technology space? I think the, the biggest thing in my mind is creating awareness and asking uh, uh, asking for uh, or pushing for the change. And I, I do see this uh, something that NFP is doing and uh, all your uh, delegates that I saw when I came to Orlando uh, talk about is how can you create awareness and how can you surface those challenges uh, so that the larger community is able to see those, understand those, and uh, work alongside to address those problems. I, I do see many times that not having awareness is why uh, problems didn't get solved. And this in any, any works of the life. And I think that's the one area where I think continual work is going to be important. And, I'm sure uh, all of uh, all, all, all the folks that uh, you have alongside are thinking about that as well. I think it's that finding the voice, sharing the information, getting folks to align with, uh, with the challenges. That's that's the critical part in my mind. And, and then just recruiting more uh, Baladalvis to help out. <laughs> what? Let's speculate a little bit. Uh, we've done some great work together, but um, there's more opportunities out there for, for us to go above and beyond. Uh, where, where do you see the Expedia relationship with the National Federation of the Blind going in the future if you're looking into your crystal ball? <laughs> crystal ball <laughs> question. 
I think that we are, I think we are, our work is not done yet. I, uh, I think I, the way I see it is our work will speak for itself and what will what we do together and the product that we put it out there, it will speak for itself and it will create a lot more folks to look at it and think about it and uh, identify where they would like to go. So I would, I think we, we definitely have gone from uh, zero to where we are today. Uh, we have done a lot of work, and uh, but I, I do see that there is more we can do and that's going to really set us up as ahead of, uh, uh, of the industry, but we still are, uh, you know, in early stages. Uh, what I do like to see is how we can be that strong voice that uh, that, that that can share and support. Uh, that's something that we continually do. We attend the conferences and share our work. We share with other partners locally. Definitely more work to do there. I agree with that a hundred percent, and I look forward to what we'll do together in the future. Now, you work for a travel-related tech company. Do you like to travel? Absolutely. How do you feel about airports? <laughs> airports are like a, you know, it, this is a yeah. It's it's interesting you ask that question because airport is like a especially when you are on a delayed flight and I'm trying to get from point A to point B on a, connect, a connection, I know what it feels like, a maze that you're running through and trying to find your way forward. <laughs> well, you know, well, I'm wondering, you know, as a blind person, uh, the airport is one of the uh, worst places because uh, you get grabbed, you get pulled, you get pushed. Uh, speaking of creating awareness, uh, I, I love traveling, but it's one of the places where a lot of people come across you and, and think that uh, either you're traveling with somebody because you certainly couldn't be out in public alone or that you're always in need of help. So I was just curious how you felt about airports. Sounds like you have a, a, at least a little bit of the, some of the same feelings that I have about it. But uh, Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure. And again, it was wonderful to have you at our national convention. Appreciate the follow-up conversation, and I appreciate uh, the work that we're going to do together. It's nice when you come to the end of the year to be able to reflect, but it's certainly nice to be able to look ahead to the the year coming up and what we'll do together. So thank you for taking some time. It's been a privilege, and I look forward to our next opportunity to be together. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be part of this uh, I'm really proud of uh, all the work we have done together. I'm proud of our accessibility team, our champions network, and all the all the engineering and product and design teams that have worked together to bring our product to where we are today. Definitely looking forward to do more and make uh, make some strides in this area as we go. Thank you. And we're back. I, th- I I think he has the chops. He could I probably think, be a host. I, you know, he's got potential. Yeah, if we work say. with him. If if we, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I think it's okay. But what a great partnership with Expedia. That's, yeah. That's exciting. A lot and, of great things going on. And I love what we're doing there because, you know, for the longest, the National Federation of the Blind offered a web certification program. And we realized that as technology changes, that that's too static a, a measure for accessibility because back in the day, Web pages weren't updated almost every day like they are now. <laughs> so we were able to certify a web page accessible because we knew it wasn't going to change for another year. But now they change, like I said, every day. So we've developed a strategic 
non-visual access partnership for organizations out there that have a web presence. So we want to make sure that not only the website's accessible, and we know that you know some situations will happen so that there may be some temporary inaccessibility, but the true reflection of whether an organization is committed to accessibility is how quickly do they fix those errors and do they have policies around accessibility and is there executive engagement you know with the authentic voice of the nation's blind the national federation of the blind and we invite organizations out there like Expedia and we're hoping that we can bring them on board as a strategic non-visual access partner sometime soon to contact the national federation of the blind learn more about who we are as an organization build on our expertise to make sure that your website is not only accessible to blind individuals when you make it accessible to us, you make it accessible and more usable for everyone else. So I invite you to contact us here at the National Federation of the Blind to explore more uh, about our strategic non-visual access partnership. And that's really the win-win. Mm-hmm. If you're going to make it better, why not make it better for everybody? I, I just, I, and if you're going to make it a good website, why not start from the beginning or mm-hmm. as much from the beginning as you can? Uh, it's, it's easy to do. So, and that's the key. Please. A lot of people think it's more difficult. Good coding is just good coding. Yeah. It's not hard to make an accessible that's website. Right. It's that's probably right. harder to make an inaccessible one because then you're just putting stuff together willy-nilly. Yeah. Oh, maybe not harder. It's smarter to make it accessible because then you're Definitely. coding in a way that makes it easier for you to build on the content and make sure that it's usable. Right. Yeah. Definitely. So I think um, going out on this one, we need to make everyone aware that, you know, the National Federation of the Blind is a tremendous partner to Santa. And, we uh, are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be wrong. I love that we have a connection to the North Pole. It makes me so happy. Yeah, as long as the snow stays there at the North Pole, then oh, we'll let I'm them have sure that. sure it'll come this way at some point, <laughs> Georgia boy. Well, <laughs> maybe this Georgia boy needs to head on back down to no, Georgia. No, no, <laughs> just, no. Just, just, just while it snows. Stay here. <laughs> oh, okay. Stay here. I'll just stay indoors. Okay. Um, but uh, it's important for those young people out there to recognize that uh, Santa uh, is a partner with the National Federation of the Blind. And we're going to make sure that uh, our Braille readers out there recognize that, you know, they can get letters from Santa. Uh, the information about registering uh, for the Santa letters will be in our show notes. But you can go to NFB.org in the coming weeks and you can get information on how you can put in the information about your child so that we can help Santa uh, write a letter to your child to make sure that they recognize that Santa appreciates that they've been good boys and good girls throughout the year of 2017. Okay, well, it's probably not sufficient enough for us to talk about it. Let's hear from someone who really knows. Ho, ho, ho. This is Pat Mauer, the Chief Honorary Elf, here at the NFB Jernigan Institute. I wanted to remind parents that your child can receive a Braille letter from Santa Claus himself, courtesy of me and his other helpers at the National Federation of the Blind. To learn how your child can get a letter, visit www.nfb.org. Be sure to get your request in no later than December 15. Merry Christmas! Oh, 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 so wonderful. (laughs) Yours was a better Santa to laugh than mine. Thank you. You know, it's this uh, voice of (laughs) my low. I can't wait to hear how you sound on the recording. Oh, I might not have to be able to listen to this one. I (laughs) I don't know. It it might might be surprising. You know, it sounds a little sultry over there from this side. Oh, well, there you go. It was actually really funny. I, I had an opportunity to partner with Oriana's school and come in. 
and read a book to her class and another second grade class and then answer questions about being blind. And then I did the other group of second graders today. But the one on Tuesday, my voice was even worse. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm going to sound awful with these kids. And I went into the classroom, and her poor teacher sounded exactly like me. And I thought, (laughs) okay, I guess it's the time of year. I'm not going to feel bad at all. (laughs) So anyway. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, we've enjoyed uh, being with you, listeners. We have. And and thank you for uh, putting up with our slightly goofy podcast. podcast today. Yeah, this we, is a little bit out of the norm. That. Hopefully we've maintained the degree of professionalism that you've come to expect. Oh, yes. <laughs> and maybe you like our goofiness. Why don't you give us some feedback and let us know whether you like uh, oh, Goofy Melissa? See, now that would be awful, wouldn't it? I mean, the, the, the little feedback we've gotten, now we get swamped by all this. Yeah, keep <laughs> it up. Or, or, no, don't be goofy. Yeah, but uh, okay. please, you know, give us a call. 410-659-9314, extension 2444. Or email us at podcast at nfb.org. You can like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at NFB Voice. You can also visit our website, www.nfb.org, and we have a blog post um, and the YouTube page. You you can find all that stuff. You can, and actually the Nation's Blind blog has been, Voice of the Nation's Blind blog has been re- relaunched. It it looks great. I think we might have mentioned it last month, but mm-hmm. I'm going to mention it again because it, it really is exciting. It's just that good. It is just it that good. You can search for twice. things now. It's It's really, it's it's really what a blog should be. So please check that out if you haven't already. It's very yeah. exciting. Also, um, put in a little shameless plug, um, Blind Parent Initiative, www.blindparents.org. We've put up some great new content there. So please check that out and uh, let me know what we can do to make this website even better for parents that happen to be blind. Awesome. And let us know what we can do to make the podcast even better. That's right. For you we, listeners out we there. We would love that. We we uh, we live to, to please. So <laughs> <laughs> To a point. To a point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we do what we can. <laughs> and to that end, remember, you can live the life you want. Blindness is not what holds you back. Thank you for listening to the Nation's Blind Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or feedback, send an email to podcast at nfb.org or leave us a voicemail at 410-659-9314, extension 2444. Also, don't forget to like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at NFB underscore voice. Check out the Nation's Blind channel on YouTube and visit us on the web at nfb.org. Until next time, remember, you can live the life you want. Blindness is not what holds you back.